Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with I.D. Enang. It's such a pleasure to be here. I am grateful to God for the gift of life. I'm also grateful to God for the gift of life for you too. And also grateful to our sponsors for making this possible, MTN. Friends, as you are aware, we have been on the business education series and we've been looking at the subject of ethics in business. We have over time tried to dimensionalize the word ethics into the proper usage and the practicalities that come from it, especially from a business standpoint. On Tuesday, I stepped into a different terrain, a terrain where I was more or less teaching us how to develop a code of ethics when it has to do with our suppliers. And so we talked about buying with integrity. We talked about the principles of supplier selection we talked about the principle of fair competition. And in all of this, we also gave good indications as to how you can fit this into your code of ethics. I did promise that we will continue same today as we started considering the subject of conflicts of interest under the subheading of buying with integrity. As you know, when you have transaction with your suppliers, it is important that you have a code of ethics that will surface the way you buy, the way you transact, the way you do business. This is having your own internal Bible where every stakeholder, every person that is in the organization and outside would understand what business stands for and what you do not stand for. And so if I do a quick recap as to where we were on Tuesday concerning the conflict interest, we asked ourselves the question, what does the code of business say on conflicts of interest and our suppliers? In this particular frame, buying with integrity is key. We all avoid situations where our personal interest might come into conflict with the interests of the business we serve or our own businesses if we are business owners. Even the appearance of a conflict can tarnish your image as a company, as a business, and also it has the capacity to tarnish your reputation. So it is important that we hold this very dear. And the key to dealing with any conflict is full disclosure. What full disclosure does is that it allows everything to be properly investigated. As a result, it may well be that something which appeared at first sight to be a problem is in fact not the least bit harmful to the company. But it is only through full disclosure of all the facts that everybody concerned can know this for sure and be able to state it with confidence to others. And so in a well-documented setting where code of ethics is very strong, where people, where leaders, where business leaders in such organizations understand 
the importance of ethics and the supplier code, everyone will be expected to, number one, disclose to management if there is a potential conflict of interest which might influence or appear to influence the judgment and actions of anyone. For example, where a family member is employed by a supplier, you need to disclose it. Many of us tend to, out of ignorance actually, we tend to dismiss this aspect and someday it pops up and you say, I didn't know. You didn't know, yes, but now you know. You didn't know, yes, but now you know. As the owner of the business, you now know. So you need to codify all of these things so your employees will not say they didn't know. For example, if I work for company A and my wife is a staff of company B who happens to be a supplier to my company, it is important that I make my organization know that my wife is actually a staff of our major supplier. When that is done, that is an act of full disclosure. So management then knows what to exclude from my purview, and I also will know what I cannot afford to know and share with my spouse. Friends, a lot of spouses out of ignorance, a lot of family members out of ignorance, a lot of relatives and even friends do stuff that they regret ultimately. Why? Because there's a conflict of interest when you have somebody within a system that is also doing business with you. It is called a principle of fair competition. You cannot at any point in time do anything that will be inimical to the business that you serve or own. Number two, and we are all expected to refrain from holding any position, involvement or financial stake in any organization that is a competitor, a customer, a supplier, or any other business partner with your company. If your company allows you to have a certain space, i.e. you are allowed to do certain forms of activity, you cannot afford to abuse it, but you must also refrain from holding any position that will be at conflict with your role. So if you are the head of procurement, if you are the head of marketing, if you are the general manager, you cannot hold interests or financial stake in a major supplier that supplies you something to your organization. No, that will be a conflict. And if in any case, at the point where you are either being invited to the board or you are being invited to take stakes in that business, you have to declare it and bring it to the open. So everybody is very clear. This is how you manage the code of business ethics, especially when it has to do with conflicts of interest. So how do I go about it would be your question to me. Please disclose in writing without waiting to be asked to your line manager. So if you are a manager and you have a boss, disclose to the boss, the person you report to. And if you are the boss of all bosses, A, the managing director, for example, or general manager, you will be responsible to the board or to someone, to the chairman, 
you'll be responsible to somebody. You need to disclose in writing without waiting to be asked to your line manager if there is a potential conflict of interest which might influence or appear to influence your judgment and actions. For example, I repeat again, where a family member or a friend is employed by a supplier or a competitor in a way and manner that you know conflicts with your current business, you need to put that in writing and you need to disclose it. Do not try to influence the relationship between your company and a supplier in which you hold any stake. So if you are in the throes already and you did not know before this particular program where your eyes have been open to it, it is better you now go and make that disclosure. But please, if you have a code of ethics in your business and you know that what you are doing is wrong, you need to stop it. And if you know you have been influencing the relationship between your company and a supplier where you hold some stake or you have some financial benefits or stake in, then you need to stop. Because at the end of the day, you may be embarrassed. How would you get embarrassed? Someday something will come out. And when it comes out, you will actually have yourself to blame. Let me play one or two live examples that may be happening. So you may have a scenario like this, which would come in form of a question. I want to make this as practical as possible. And you may be saying to me, ID, I have a good childhood friend who I know would be a great supplier for your company. Um, and I am sure I would have no difficulty acting in a professional manner if I was to work with him. It would in fact be great because I would be able to convince him to give his best for your company. What would be the answer? Or what would be the answer to that particular question? Even if you feel that you will be able to act in the company's best interest, it may not be perceived as such by a third party. This does not mean that your friend cannot become a supplier of that company. It just means that you have to be transparent about your relationship and let someone else handle the selection process. So what I'm saying in essence is that your friend will continue to be your friend as being your childhood friend, but you cannot superintend over a process of selecting suppliers of which your friend is one of them. You will not be able to convince anybody that you acted in the best interest of the business. Let me think about another question or scenario. I am planning my wedding. Is it acceptable to ask a printer I work with to print my invitations? I will of course pay for it and I won't ask for any discount. This is a typical normal life situation. Maybe you are in the marketing department, you are a brand manager or you are a marketing manager and you want to have your wedding or your child's dedication or your 50th birthday or celebrating whatever and you are asking here that you are planning this activity is it acceptable to ask a printer who works for your company today who enjoys good business from you that you sign off from your company from your desk yes you are telling me i will of course pay for it and i won't ask for discount 
what should be the answer to this question? I will tell you, my dear friend, this should be avoided. Although you will not ask for any special treatment, the supplier may feel obliged to treat you more favorably than other clients. That is a potential conflict of interest. I mean, it gets to this kind of place, it is important that I use live examples so you can understand what I'm saying, especially for a lot of us that are currently working for businesses. There are so many conflicts that are going through people's hearts and minds daily. Many people are conflicted at their places of work, even in companies where the codes of ethics are well spelled out. People still get conflicted because of greed, some others because of ignorance. But more importantly, it is more of the latter than the former. So let me tackle another question that may be in the offing or another scenario. A friend of mine knows I regularly work with various design companies and asked me if I could recommend any to him. I gave him the name of one I use at work. A few weeks later, my friend called me to say that he is very happy with the discounts they gave him. I hope they didn't grant him a discount just because I sent him. This is a scenario. Now look at the other side, which will be the answer. When you recommend one of your suppliers to someone outside the business, this can give rise to misunderstandings. The supplier may think that he can win favors with you by treating your friend very well. And what if the person you send to this supplier is unhappy with the work done and decides not to pay the supplier? How will this affect your relationship with this supplier? Calling the supplier in advance to make it clear that you wish your friend to be treated like any other customer can help. But the best thing is to avoid this type of recommendation. As a matter of fact, I have a personal example I can share. My own cousin and the husband own a factory and they own a factory where they make sanitizers. A very close friend of mine who had an opportunity to supply sanitizers as part of his own business required of me to make a case for him with my cousin and the husband. What did I do? I sat back and I said to them, listen, uh, this friend of mine whom you know requires services of your business. Please transact with him. But I want to put it up front and very clear that if you choose to discount or to give credits or not to give credits, it is solely according to your business policy. Do not in any way. So I put up a disclaimer that he is my friend, does not in any way guarantee you to think that you will give him some express permissions. It's not going to happen. So all I'm doing is basically introducing, based on his request, you to him. And that's where it ends. And the same thing I said to my friend, you are going to work with them. It is absolutely on a no ID policy. You don't know me. All I was was to open the door and say, this person needs you. You need this person. 
the policies of the company will abide. On no account must you leverage or discuss my name by way of, you know I'm your cousin's brother or friend, I beg your pardon. It shouldn't arise. Friends, these are potential conflicts that we live in with day in, day out. But what makes it work is when you have a document that is codified around business ethics, especially with all of these areas I have talked about. And so I'm going to come into a space of buying with integrity and here talking about gifts and entertainment. Exchanging gifts and entertainment can help build understanding and improve working relationships. But before I even get into this, let me throw it as a question so that I can answer very aptly. What does the code of business ethics say on gifts and entertainment and suppliers? So I'm asking you now, if you have a code of business ethics, what does it say on gifts and entertainment and suppliers? Uh, if you do not have, listen to me very well and hear what you need to have as a permanent say in that regard. Exchanging gifts and entertainment can help build understanding and improve working relationships. But they can also cause a conflict of interest between personal interest and professional duty. When receiving gifts or entertainment, the golden rule is what? Full disclosure. When giving gifts or entertainment, the golden rule is reasonableness and how this would be perceived by the wider public. And so we are all expected to, A, never accept gifts or entertainment from any supplier unless they are clearly symbolic in value. And they follow the turn of the symbolic value as typified by the code of ethics. B, never give or accept cash gifts. And C, ensure that all gifts offered are appropriate and in line with the values of the company. I thought to speak to this very importantly because this is one place a lot of abuse happens. And you might put it this way, that people are conflicted. So let me go by way of the nature of painting a scenario. And maybe might even be better taking it as a Q&A. What is the question? What exactly is a symbolic gift? I often receive gifts from suppliers at the end of the year. Is a bottle of wine okay? Would it not be simpler if your company sets a maximum monetary value? Now, this is my answer. A symbolic gift includes items such as gifts with the supplier's logo, which have no commercial value. So if you ever want to think about a symbolic gift, here's what it is. It is one that has a logo of the supplier. So for example, from Corporate Shepherds, every year end when we have to uh, give out gifts during Christmas to our, to our clients, we always make it a duty to make it symbolic. And one thing that I've been guided by is a symbolic value. Every single client of mine, I always ask, what is the monetary value of the gift that should come to the organization? Where they do not have a code of ethics, that is when I apply reasonableness. But as a matter of fact, what you then do is to make sure it's a standard gauge and a standard rule. 
So if 10,000 Naira is what we are pegged, that is what the maximum this gift will be. And so as a tradition and as a fashion, in my company, what we give out are symbolic gifts. We don't give out cash. We don't give out heading, but we give out symbolic gifts. What is a symbolic gift? It includes items such as their gifts with the supplier's logo, which have no commercial value. A bottle of wine, a box of chocolates, calendars, etc. Whatever the rule applicable in your, in your domain. Now, this is speaking to people who may be in other countries who are listening to this program or who may be domesticated in other areas outside of Lagos, which is my base. Whatever the rule that is applicable in your country, community, or business or company, all gifts you receive must be disclosed to your manager. Now, within the business frame, whether they are symbolic or not, it is important that you put that on the table and let that know. So let me give another question, which is the reverse side. So someone may be asking, one of my suppliers has offered me an excessive or inappropriate gift, but I really feel that I cannot return it to them without causing offense. What should I do? My answer is very simple. Firstly, you should disclose this situation to your manager and discuss with him or her if it is really impossible to return the gift. If your manager decides that you should keep the gift, you should then write to the supplier, thanking them for the gift, but reminding them of your company's gift and entertainment policy to avoid this situation happening again. And should your company not have a gift and entertainment policy codified under the business ethics, then your letter will suffice and will make it work. Your letter will be an absolute a disclaimer of sorts, and I dare say also that to avoid hurting or getting offended through the offense of your client, you may respectfully take this in person with the letter to the person. So you should then find a solution that you do not personally benefit from this gift. And that is something that you can take as another option. For example, that same gift can be given to a charity or given to some other uh, space. I mean, a charity works, actually. So giving it to a charity just absolves you of any of such. Now, I'm giving these options because not everybody works in a company. Not everybody works in an organized setting. There are people that work for one-man businesses or sole proprietorship, and there are policies. You can choose even as any of each of these rules, um, uh, settings to do something differently. So let me quickly look at another aspect of buying. Remember, we are talking about codifying business ethics, practicalizing it within the suppliers. And here I have buying with respect. What does it mean to buy with respect? The reputation of your business or company depends on the behavior of each and every person that is within the stakeholder network. The way you interact with your suppliers and the way your suppliers interact with you will not only determine the image of your suppliers and your business, but would also allow everyone to be more efficient 
in their dealings. And so it is important to put in a very good statement about fair supplier treatment. And so the question I will ask is, what does the code of business ethics say on fair supplier treatment? If you have a code of business ethics in your company, what does it say about fair supplier treatment? Because there are a lot of clients that treat suppliers very unfairly, and it's probably because this is not codified. And there are some that don't even have a code of business ethics. They treat people very, very unfairly. In fact, if you need to see where some suppliers are being denigrated, because there's a certain man on the seat who decides that he wants to punish somebody for whatever reason. So it's important that you understand a fair supplier treatment principle and make sure it works. So for now, I'll put a pause on this, friends, because we are the half mark. When we come on the other side, I will then begin the process of letting you see and understand what a fair supplier treatment is as we consider the way we buy and buying with respect. Don't go away. We'll be right back shortly. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, friends, to Navigate with IDNN. This is the business education series. And we've been looking at the way we buy, looking at practical elements of the supplier dimension in the code of business ethics. And so before the break, we are talking about buying with respect with special emphasis on the first supplier treatment. And the question I asked was, what does the code of business ethics say on fair supplier treatment? For those of you that have a code of business ethics in your organization, and to those that do not have, herein is an opportunity for you to learn some of the things that you will make present in how you codify your business ethics within your business. Now, it's important to note that the relationship with your suppliers extends beyond the purchase and delivery of goods and services. It is integral to the long-term success of your business. So we must also let the stakeholders know that everyone will be judged by the quality of the relationships we have with our suppliers. In particular, we will be scrutinized on how we select our suppliers. Remember, we talked about the supplier selection. In a company, there must be a standard operating manual or principle as represented in the Code of Business Ethics on how suppliers are going to be selected. It doesn't stop there. It must also extend to the point how they will demonstrate their commitment to doing business responsibly. And so these are the elements that need to feature in your code of business ethics. So if you have them already, all well and good. If you don't, please listen attentively as you take some of these learnings and embed them to make your business a lot better. You may start by saying all of us dealing with suppliers in this company are expected to, number one, be transparent about the bidding process and give honest, sensitive feedback to failed bids. Meaning, if you are going to be having bidding processes, there must be honest, sensitive, and open feedback to those people that failed. Number two, support suppliers in meeting 
the company's expectations. But we must have the courage to end the relationship with those suppliers who persistently fail to meet their commitments. Number three, pay suppliers on time according to the agreed terms. This is one place that Nigerian companies struggle. And it's because it's not codified. They pay suppliers out of time, out of turn, and sometimes they make the suppliers feel as if you don't realize I'm making you or giving you or, or making you this favor. That is a matter of right and a favor. Number four, you must make sure that the supplier is not overly dependent on your company business and refrain from asking suppliers to make unreasonable concessions in order to win or retain business with your company. In other words, I'm saying, friends, avoid reciprocal dealing. What does reciprocal dealing mean? This involves stating or implying that a decision to buy goods or services is based on a reciprocal agreement for the supplier to purchase your own product or service, almost like a barter. So what do you do to secure this aspect? When we talk about fair supplier treatment or buying with respect, you must prepare meetings in advance and respect meeting dates and times with suppliers. You must ensure suppliers are welcomed in pleasant and comfortable surroundings. Don't treat suppliers like trash. They are human beings. They are supporters of your business. Adopt a polite and respectful manner at all times and make an extra effort if you have dealings with a supplier who does not speak your mother tongue. So if you are in a different state and you know that your supplier does not understand your language or the ruling mode of communication, don't speak in another language because you hear that happen most times. It is not polite. It is not respectful. And you must respect your commitments made to suppliers, even if there's no formal legal contract and pay your suppliers on time according to the agreed formats. Friends, buying with respect is key. Fair supplier treatment is even a critical aspect that would enable your business to enjoy the benefits of good relationships all the way. And so like I've done before, let me situate some questions that you may have at the back of your mind. Possibly these are going through your mind and I'm just trying to answer in anticipation of what you may be asking concerning the first supplier treatment. For example, a question could be, is it acceptable to discuss one's supplier's shortcomings with another supplier? Like you taking the shortcomings of one supplier and discussing it with another? The answer is no. Even if you have issues with a supplier, you should keep this information within the company and only discuss it with a supplier concerned. Disparaging a supplier not only gives a bad image of your company, but could also lead to legal proceedings for defamation. In disparaging the supplier, you could also divulge confidential information belonging to the supplier. You find this happening a lot in business settings where one person, because you are the procurement manager or because you are the business manager or because you are the general manager, you will be sharing 
information about another supplier or complaining about another supplier to another competing supplier, all because you have some measure of relationship with this one, and so you feel you are open to discuss it. Friends, don't disparage a supplier. Don't talk about another supplier with another supplier because there is a space of confidentiality you must not cross. That's a good question that I hope goes down very well because we do a lot of things with impunity, most of it ignorance on fire. And that's the essence of this business education series that some of us, even as we are working in organizations today, may be oblivious of what is right, what is moral, what is ethical, and what is legal. Let me touch on another question that may speak to the heart of part of the challenges that we go through. You have this question. I have found a really good supplier, but he's just starting up his business and our company is for the moment his only client. Can I use him? The answer is yes. There's no reason not to help this supplier start his business. However, it is true that in your business, you must strive not to represent more than 30% of a supplier's turnover, meaning that your business must not be more than 30% of a supplier's turnover. Otherwise, the man will be dependent on you. You should therefore provide in the contract that he is expected to find other customers before a certain period of time. So he does not become the only one servicing you. No. Tell him, get other companies. If he is really that good, this should not be a problem. You must also, of course, check that he has respected his obligations in whatever he says. Let me touch on the third question and possibly the last one in this particular series that I'm speaking to fair supplier treatment. You may have a situation that will warrant you asking this question. My suppliers are always complaining that we do not pay them on time. Is it my problem or is it the accounts or finance department's problem? The answer from my view is, if you decided as a company to award these suppliers your business, you are responsible for making sure that they are being treated fairly. And this in particular means ensuring that they are paid on time. You should contact the relevant department, whether accounts, finance, to find out what is going on. If you encounter difficulties regarding payment terms, you should raise it with your manager. Supplier receivables should not be used as a substitute for cash flow. Friends, I know why I raised this particular question or situation, because many times people innocently make others suffer. So, for example, I know that as a company, we have engaged Mr. A to supply X, Y, Z. And then the terms of payment show that upon delivery, Mr. A will be paid not longer than 30 days from the date of the invoice. But here we are, by the time we are clocking 45 days, Mr. A has not been paid. Now, many times you find in those companies, people sit back and say, if I go ahead now to ask in accounts or finance, they will think that I'm asking because I have an interest in Mr. A or Mr. A's business. That is wrong. And this is a feeling that a lot of people do they step back without following through. And when you don't follow through, Mr. A suffers. His business runs from 30-day contract that you agreed to 60 to 90. 
would you be able to pay for the interest or the cost of capital? You will not. So it is important that your business, I, your company gave Mr. A the business that you follow through as the one who in line of duty is responsible to seeing through. Because if Mr. A goes to the court or takes this as a legal case, you will be a material witness. Regardless of whatever happens and he claims damages, the company may turn around and say, but you were the one that issued the PO. You issued the job assignment. Why didn't you follow through to the end, knowing fully well that this man had not been paid as per the contract? But then, I tell you something many times, companies are always looking for the fall guy. Don't be a fall guy or a fall lady. Make sure you follow through with fair supplier treatment and make it a part of what you do. Friends, let me step away from fair supplier treatment under the auspices of that pillar called buying with respect. I want to treat a subject of confidentiality. And so I'm going to ask, as always, what does the code of business say on confidentiality and your suppliers if you have a code of business ethics that has a supplier section attached. But if you don't, now is the time for you to learn. This is an opportunity for you to know what goes around comes around. Unauthorized disclosure of confidential information may be detrimental to your company. We must ensure that all information not known to the general public is kept strictly confidential. Those of us who have access to confidential information belonging to our business partners are under a similar obligation to protect it from disclosure. And what are we expected to do? Number one, limit disclosure of confidential information to people with a legitimate need to know that serves the business interests of where we work. Number two, we need to secure all confidential customer and supplier records, both paper and electronic. Number three, we need to prevent disclosure of confidential information to third parties outside of your company and your business, including family members. Don't talk to your spouse. Don't talk to your brother or your sister or a relative about confidential information, disclosing things about a supplier. Number four, Avoid discussing or working with confidential information in a public area where conversations can be overheard or data compromised. Have you walked into lounges with music blurring? You hear people discuss business concerns there and they're shouting on the top of their voices and you can literally hear what they are talking about. Friends, that's not the way to do it. If you want to have an offsite meeting, Look for a proper, a decent environment where you are not going to be shouting on the top of your voices. And in the process, you let out confidential information. So in the manner that we follow, let me take some questions and also give some potent answers directionally so that this may begin to sink in very well. One question may be, what exactly qualifies as confidential information, Mr. ID? 
The answer I'll give to you is this. There is probably a legal definition in your company, in your country, in your business, or your community. But the rule is to consider all information which is not known to the public as confidential. So I'm saying to you, regardless of the context in which you're operating, any information which is not known to the public is confidential, regarded as confidential. The safest solution is to agree with the supplier what will be considered confidential. You know, we are looking at it from a supplier network standpoint with the way we buy. A second question that typically will come because of the nature of this conversation. And the question could be, suppliers are sometimes asked to submit their own design or their own proposal. In case the supplier submitted a winning design or proposal, but did not offer the lowest price, should I try to renegotiate the price or should I give the design to the supplier who quoted the lowest price? This is a matter of a committee or if you have to make that decision, this would be my answer. You must respect the supplier's copyright and intellectual property and therefore, you cannot give their design to someone else. You should try renegotiating the price or else buy the rights to the design if you want to give the manufacturing to another supplier. Many times you find in our client, when people do decent jobs, they put in designs or proposals. You will find clients carry the same things, tell the person, we don't like your design, we don't like your proposal, but we will take that same design and proposal and give it to another person to go act upon or do. Could be personal interest, could be as a result of pricing, but they do not know that they've just breached the copyrights and intellectual property of the other supplier and could be sued. You can put your company, you can put your organization or business at risk simply by treating a supplier's design with contempt. And so friends, these things are very important. You see why it's important to have a code of business ethics and dealing with every aspect of it. That's why I've dedicated the month of March to speak on ethics in business, dimensionalizing it in different aspects. And I've hoped that you will not take this for granted, but you will take this so seriously as I always demand that you have a pen and a parchment. Because there are things that I will share with you that even if you may be working now and you think you have the code, you probably have never opened it or your organization may not even bring it to the fore until there's a problem. Let me ask the final question in this regard, just so I can look at some other aspects under confidentiality. A supplier has not won a tender. I have not had time to give feedback to every supplier and they call to ask how they fared. This is a scenario where a supplier has not won a tender. You have not had time to give feedback to every supplier and they call to ask how they fared. What should you do? One must always give a supplier honest and respectful feedback and preferably before they call you. Don't wait till they call. What you need to do is keep it open and make sure everybody is truly and dutifully treated as such. Let me touch on this last one, which has to do with socials. 
This is a question you may be asking or a scenario you'll be familiar with. The question is, a supplier has just come to visit me and I realized that she has forgotten a folder which contains confidential information on our company's pricing strategy. This information could prove really useful in our negotiations. Should I give it back to her? Should I read it first and make photocopies? This is a strong moral and ethical dimension because it has to do with personal leadership. What would be my answer and what would be my own response? What would I do if I was in that situation? My answer to you directly, my friend, is you should immediately inform the supplier and send it back to them without keeping any copies. As none of the information can be taken into account in your negotiation, it may be necessary to ask someone else to carry out the negotiations. So what I will do, first and foremost, I will not go into reading that document. I won't. That's the honest truth. I will return the document to the supplier. But to make the supplier feel good about it, from that time on, I will get another colleague of mine to always carry out the negotiations with the person just so that he or she will know that I am not in any way conflicted and I don't want him or her to feel that I am using whatever mistake he or she made to drive home a point. And so friends, we've come to the point where I need to let you know that working with suppliers is very critical. You must work with suppliers who respect your ethical standards. And if you as a company do not have ethical standards, it's important that you set them up because that is what will clearly make sure that your reputation is intact and your business is sustainable into the long term. And so the typical nature that I would take is to say that every business must realize that not all suppliers may be able to meet all its ethical standards. But as long as they are willing to work with those who genuinely seek to meet your company's standards in the spirit of continuous progress, what I'm saying in essence is not every supplier can meet all your ethical standards. But what you give them is the benefit of the doubt that they can continually make some spirited progress by working to meet your standards. In the process, you are helping them grow. In the process, you're also bringing them up to speed in their own right. And they'll become more ethically responsible, not just to your business, but to the society. So I appreciate what you're saying and what you're seeing. But I'll also like to ask you something. That you understand that your company must seek to minimize its environmental impact including the purchasing decisions it takes. So it's important that your company has a fair trade and supplier diversity so that you can have a wider range to choose from and a wider range of thought leadership. So here comes my question. What does the code of business ethics say on the ethical standards that you seek out in suppliers? This is a question to those who may have code of business ethics in their companies already. So I'm asking you, what does it say? And to those who do not have, this is to tell you that this is an aspect that you must ingrain as you're writing out your code of ethics. 
it is important that you understand that relationship with your suppliers always extends beyond purchase and delivery of goods and services. It is very integral to the long-term success of your business. And so everybody will be judged by the quality of the relationships that they both you know, bring to the table, both on the supply end and on the end of the client. And so it is important that everyone dealing with suppliers are expected within your company. Remember I asked, what does your code of business ethics say? It is important that they ensure that the company's general terms of purchase and payment, which includes ethical expectations, are understood and accepted by all suppliers wherever they operate. And so, friends, ensure, please, that you support suppliers in meeting your business expectations, in implementing your commitment to everything that has to do with the society. At the end of it, everyone will enjoy the benefits of professionalism. This is what ethics in business is about. This is what it takes to be ethically responsible. This is what it takes to have ethical leadership as a business. It's not enough to say I have suppliers, but you must be responsible to your suppliers, to your business, and to the community at large. Thank you so much, friends. I hope you enjoyed and you learned a few from this. Next week, I'm going to step in into the way we recruit, looking at how the code of ethics will build the way we recruit. After that, we'll close the curtains on the code of ethics and ethics in business as a subject that would have taken for a full month to help us in the course of this business education series. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions, please send them to contact at navigatewithid.com. The ID is spelled IDY. And you can also follow me on my social media handles. The handle is at IDYENANG on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Whatever questions you pose it, by the grace of God, we'll come together to agree on a solution that will make your business better and our country, Nigeria, greater. Thank you so much and God bless you. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.